Thank you for accessing this audio resource from Glad Tidings Church. This is Pastor Tim Rice. I hope you enjoy the message and receive some benefit from it. If you do, please let us know. Send your comments to info at gladtidings.church. Now, here's this week's message. All right, well, if you have your Bibles this morning and you're opened up to uh, Psalm 73, next week I'm going to return to the book of Exodus, but this morning I have a message that I felt like God uh, put, put on my heart for uh, the early days of 2020. During the final uh, few weeks of 2019, I was praying about this new year, and um, I always, always like the opportunity of a new year. I like it's a chance. We've talked about this already. New year is a chance to evaluate. It's a chance to set goals. It's a set to. It's a chance to start um, anew. And even if we do put too much pressure on it ourselves, um, with the expectations that. You know, we, we may never achieve some of the expectations that we have for a brand new year. We, we make resolutions. We may not be able to keep those resolutions. Nevertheless, uh, a new year is a time of hope, and, and it's a time of optimism. It's a time to look forward to what is in front of us, to forget what is behind us, to look forward to what is um, in front of us. Only, um, I've had a, uh, I'm going to be honest with you this morning, and tell you, I've, I've just had a certain sense of dread about 2020. And uh, so this morning, I'm going to share with you why that is. And I want to share with you a prayer that God gave to me personally for 2020. Um, and I hope that it, w- that, um, uh, that it will be a prayer that you'll pray as well in the days and the weeks and in the months ahead. I say that it's a prayer. It's actually a scripture. It's a song, actually. Um, it's a scripture which, as Dr. Kelly, in fact, pointed out to us this morning, and which I'll be uh, speaking a little bit more about next Sunday morning, that scripture is an excellent resource for praying, using for, for prayer. So Psalm 73 was not written by David. Uh, you may see that in uh, the heading for Psalm 73. If you look at it, it was written by Asaph. Asaph was one of David's uh, choir directors, and uh, it is... It happens to be one of my favorite um, psalms um, because I remember a message that was preached from this psalm when I was in chapel uh, during my college years, and um, that was a a bit ago, (laughs) but I still remember. It's one of the few messages that I still remember being preached. You know, I've said this to you before. I know that y'all don't remember. Sometimes you may not remember from one week what I preached the previous week. Uh, and that doesn't hurt my feelings because I know that I don't remember the multitudes of messages that I've heard growing up in church. I only remember just a handful of messages. And, and this, uh, the preacher, the professor that preached on this passage in chapel while I was in college, that was one of the very few messages that stuck with me and has remained with me uh, through the years. And so that's why Psalm 73 is one of my favorite. I'm not going to preach uh, that message to you this morning, but the reason that that message that he preached from Psalm 73, the reason it had such an impact on my life and the reason why this psalm remains one of my favorite psalms is the power of the personal experiences that both the psalmist and the preacher um, referenced in the text. This is a very personal psalm. It 
It's a very honest psalm. Asaph begins, now we're going to read a little bit further down in Psalm 73, but Asaph begins with a confession in Psalm 73. He says, truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart, but as for me, my feet had almost stumbled, my steps had nearly slipped. Who knows that's an that is an honest admission from a godly man who had um, a crisis of faith. He said, you know, I believe what God's word says, that God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But I had a moment, I had a time, I had experience in my life when my feet almost stumbled. And I almost lost sight of that and I almost missed out. On, on what God had for me. So this is an honest admission from a, from a man who had a crisis of faith. And I, and I respect that. And I can identify with that. Probably you can too because you've had those moments when, when maybe um, your foot almost stumbled. You knew what God's word said. You knew what you believed. And yet it seemed that your experience wasn't measuring up to what you believed or with what God's word said, and maybe you had um, a crisis of faith. And so I can identify with that. Probably you can too. The professor, in fact, um, in that message shared his own story, and he shared it in such a compelling way that God used that message and God used that psalm to reinforce uh, my own trust in the grace and in the goodness of God, even when things are not going my way and even when I question and wonder, I can still know that God is good and that he is gracious to his, his people. So God used that, this psalm in that way in my life. Since that day, Psalm 73 has been one of my favorite psalms, as I've said, uh, but, but his message was taken mostly from the first part of the psalm where Asaph actually wrestles with this problem where he works out uh, this problem of why the wicked prosper and whether or not he himself had served God in, in vain. What I want to read this morning is verses 21 through 28. So if you have your Bibles open to Psalm 73, let's begin reading in verse number 21 where Asaph says, when my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast toward you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterwards you will receive me to glory. Verse 25, whom have I in heaven but you? There is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. Let's read that verse again. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. Verse 26, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you, but for me... It is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all your works. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Bible. God, it is your word to us. 
So God, we pray that you'd help us to receive it this morning. Help us to receive it with faith. Prepare our hearts, God, to be good ground so that what we hear might take root, that it might grow, that it might bear fruit for the glory of God. And we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said amen. 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 My message to you this morning is, um, is very simple, but that doesn't mean that it will be simply done. And my message to you this morning is in the midst of all that we will see and all that we will hear in 2020, keep your heart right and stay near to God. Stay near to God. Now, a few minutes ago, I mentioned that I was dreading uh, 2020, or at least dreading it in a, in a certain uh, respect. And so let me explain what I mean. Let me be clear. Uh, there's a lot that I'm looking forward to in 2020. I sense God moving uh, among his people. Do you sense that too? I sense God moving in his, in his church. Don't you? I, I sense God moving in our church. I'm thankful uh, I'm thankful for that. So there's a lot that I'm looking forward to in 2020. I'm, I'm praying for revival. I know that many of you are also. I'm asking God to save souls, and we are seeing souls saved. I am encouraged because, listen, God is at work. How many believe that? God is at work, and so there are good things in store. If God's at work, that means he has good things planned for his people. Amen. He has good things that he wants to do for you. He has good things that he wants to do for me. And so I'm excited about, I'm looking forward to all that God is going to do, all that he wants to accomplish in my life, in our church, my family, your families. God's going to do some great things in 2020. So I don't want to give you the wrong impression this morning. I'm entering into uh, this brand new year with optimism, with hope, and with faith. However, I'm also aware that 2020 is, well, it's an election year, and the state of our nation's politics is, is divisive, and it's angry, and it's unkind. Now, if you'll bear with me this morning, I'm, I'm not going to really talk that much about politics this morning, but this is all I'm going to talk about politics in 2020, okay? So you just bear with me for a few moments this morning. Um, that's what I'm dreading about 2020. A at least in that regard, 2020, listen to me, is going to be a bitter, bitter year. It's going to be an ugly year, and what I'm concerned about is that the bitterness that we see in the world, that it not work its way into our hearts and in our lives. 2020 is going to be a bitter year. I'm praying that it does not make us into bitter people. Um, I may be overestimating the effect that politics can have on our attitude. I hope uh, that I am. But... I've already seen um, negative consequences in the body of Christ, and I, so I feel like it's necessary for me this morning to warn, to warn you as a pastor to just give you a word of warning. Don't allow the spirit of this age to supplant the spirit of Christ in your heart. Can I say that one more time? Don't allow the spirit of this age to supplant the spirit of Christ 
in, in your heart. Asaph admitted that his soul had become bitter. Asaph admitted that his heart had been pricked. That means that his heart had been pierced or afflicted. Now, if you go back and you read the early part of Psalm 73, you'll learn what led to that condition uh, in Asaph's, Asaph's soul and in his heart. What led to that condition was that Asaph had been provoked by the prosperity of the wicked. In other words, he looked around in the world around him and he saw bad people succeeding. And he said, he said this, God, I've always believed, I've always been taught that God is good to those in Israel, to those who are impure in heart. But I see the wicked winning. I see the wicked succeeding. And almost it caused my feet to slip. And I almost lost um, my faith. Asaph had been provoked by the prosperity. In, in other words, he looked around, and when he saw bad people succeeding, he didn't, he didn't get it. Why, he asked himself, why would God allow them to get away with what they are doing? Why would God allow them to succeed? Didn't God see, didn't God care what was happening in Israel, what was happening among his people? After all, Asaph reasoned in his own mind, Asaph reasoned their wickedness is an insult to God's law. Asaph was indignant about it all. He was indignant about the injustice of it all. And, and here's what I want you to see this morning. This is important for us. I believe on the eve of 20, or not on the eve, in the beginning of 2020, what I want you to see is that he saw it all, he, he understood the injustice of it all, it didn't seem right to him, and it made him bitter, and it made him angry, and it made him resentful, and that had a negative impact on his relationship with God. Asaph said, my soul became bitter, my heart was pricked, it became resentful, angry, about what was going on. It didn't seem right to me. And he said, and so when my heart became bitter and my heart was pricked, he said, I became brutish and ignorant. And he said to God, I was like a, I was like a beast toward you, God. Do you see? So what I want you to understand this morning, Asaph was right about the wicked, but he was wrong in his heart. You see that? Say amen. Let me repeat it one more time because you got to get that. If, I don't, if you don't get that, I'm just going to close the Bible. We'll walk out. All right. <laughs> he, Asaph might have been right about what was wrong in the world, but it didn't matter because Asaph was wrong in his heart. He said, my heart was bitter. My soul was bitter because what I had observed and what I it didn't seem right, it didn't seem fair. And so Asaph might have been right about the world, but he was wrong in his own heart. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 and 15 says this, Strive for peace with everyone. Now, it doesn't help to write in there the ones that you agree with, <laughs> the ones that are just like you, the ones that have same beliefs, the same color you are, live in the same 
social strata you are. Hebrews says, as strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. I want to say to you this morning that the political rhetoric of both parties represents a great danger to all Christians. The rhetoric of both parties presents a great danger to all Christians. It is, it is more often than not hateful, untruthful, divisive, sometimes crude, and sometimes even vulgar. Now, I understand that politics has always been such to, to some degree or another, and and some Christians feel like it's necessary to defend that by insisting that we're in a culture war. So can I tell you this morning, I would caution you. I would caution you this morning. If, if you have begun to see people as enemy combatants, then you have betrayed the spirit of Jesus Christ who sees them as sheep without a shepherd, harassed and helpless and in need of salvation. Paul says our warfare is not against flesh and blood, but it's against spiritual principalities and powers, rulers of darkness in high places. And listen, can I tell you this morning, we do not engage those enemies by hating our neighbors, but rather by loving our neighbors and striving for peace with everyone. And friends, we can do that as Christians without compromising the truth of what God's Word says. Stand for truth. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach the truth until they carry me out of the pulpit, until somebody else carries me out of the pulpit. You might carry me out of the pulpit. <laughs> but I'm going to preach the truth, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love people with the love of Jesus Christ because that's what he expects. That's, that's what he requires. Jesus has shown us how we can speak the truth but love people and have compassion on them. Moreover, here's, here's more to my point this morning. Moreover, we cannot allow any root of bitterness to spring up in our heart because if it does, it has the potential to choke out the grace of God in our life. It hurts us more than it hurts anybody else if we allow bitterness to spring up in our heart, if we allow our hearts to become angry and resentful about what's going on in the world around us. Listen, you're not hurting anybody else. You're just hurting yourself with that kind of anger and that kind of bitterness and that kind of resentment. So uh, we cannot allow that to happen in our hearts in 2020. Listen, in the midst of all that's going on in the world around us, and I'm telling you this morning, again, I, I would be happy to be wrong. I would be pleased to be wrong, but I believe it's going to get ugly in 2020. 
in the midst of all of the ugliness in 2020, 2020 we can make a decision that we're going to love people. We're going to stand for truth, but we're going to love people. We're going to show people the spirit of Jesus Christ. We can be angry and sin not. Amen? And sin not. We can be right about the truth without being wrong in our heart. I don't want to be wrong in my heart. I don't want to allow bitterness to enter into my heart. So, so how? How can we prevent ourselves from becoming bitter in our heart? Well, this is where the prayer comes in. Um, Asaph's, Asaph's prayer in verse, um, what is it? Verse number, now I forgot the verse number. Let me look at it. Verse number 25. Here's the prayer. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. That's the prayer that I'm going to encourage you to pray. During, let that set your tone in 2020. Asaph's focus, he admits that his heart had become bitter and angry and resentful toward God. It had become that way because why? He was watching the world, everything that was going wrong in the world around him. But in verse number 23, Asaph's focus changes. He says, you know, in spite of everything that's going on in the world, in spite of my own heart, uh, my bitter heart, he says, nevertheless, continually, I am with you. Now, let me just explain what's going on there in that verse. The fact that Asaph was continually with God had nothing to do with Asaph. It had to do with what God was doing. Because look at the passage there. He says, continually, I was with you. Because why? You held on to my hand. Aren't you thankful that even when we are unfaithful, God remains faithful? Amen. That even when we're straying away, God holds on. How many, how many of you, you know the hand of God has been holding on to you? Can you say amen? So I'm going to tell you this morning, get your eyes off of the world. Get your eyes where they belong. Get them on Jesus Christ. Stay near to God. Asaph had said, I almost slipped. How many knows that's what happens when you get your eyes off of Jesus Christ? Your feet almost slip. But he said, but you are holding on to my right hand. The reason that Asaph didn't slip is because God was holding on to him. Thank, thank God. So if we'll keep our eyes on Jesus Christ, he will guide us with his counsel. He will be our help in these difficult times. Asaph said, you will guide me with your counsel and you will receive me with glory. I'm glad that this world is not my home, that heaven is my home. I'm looking forward to going home to be with Jesus Christ, aren't you? Now, while I'm in this world, I'm going to work for justice I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what God has called me to do. I'm going to trust in God to give me wisdom and grace to guide me and direct me. But listen, my, my home is not in this world below. My home is in heaven, and I'm looking forward to going there, aren't you? So Asaph said, whom have I in heaven but you, Lord? Now listen, there's something about that prayer. And again, it's a scripture, but we can pray it as a prayer. There's something about that prayer prayer, that scripture that I want you to see this morning, it's a, it's a rhetorical question that Asaph is asking. A rhetorical question is where the answer is understood. So when Asaph says, who have I in heaven, what is, what is the, the answer to that? No one. 
I, I don't have anyone but you, God. You're the only one. I have no one else to trust in but you. Now, as, as Americans, let me say this to you this morning. As Americans, we have the opportunity to, to choose our leaders. And it's a great privilege for us to be able to vote for the man or the woman who we think is going to do the best job in acting the, and we're enforcing the laws that govern our society. It's an important responsibility. And I'm going to encourage you to vote and to do your, to do your part. However, we should not confuse an elected official as our eternal Savior. That's what, that's what Asaph is saying here. Who do I have in heaven but you, Lord? You, you are my Savior. You are my hope. You're the only one that I can trust in. There, there is no man and there is no woman that is running for office on whom I am willing to put my entire trust just going to be honest with you this morning. No man, no woman that I am willing to put my entire trust in. That might sound cynical to you this morning. I apologize if it does, but I think that it is biblical. Amen. Asaph said, who do I have in heaven but you, God? You're the only one that I can trust. There are there are, I lose count, uh, I think it's 16, is it now? 16 candidates for president in 2020. And here's the thing about every last one of them, all of them, each one of them is telling you that you have to vote on him or her because your future depends on them. It's amazing that each one of you are telling, each one of them are telling us the same thing. And now listen, I want you to understand a lot does depend on the person that we elect as the next president of the United States, which is, which is why we should make that decision prayerfully and we should make that decision prudently. But can I just, can I just say this morning with, with respect, none of them have my unqualified trust and support. Amen. Not one of them. This, that's not even American. <laughs> much less biblical. How many of us, we fought the revolution because we distrusted centralized power, right? So it's not even American, but it's certainly not biblical. Um, there's no president. There's no potentate. There's no pope or pontiff who deserves our absolute allegiance. Amen. They deserve... They deserve our prayer. God's commanded us to pray for them. They deserve our prayer, but they do not deserve our absolute allegiance. God, God raises them up and God puts them down. God raises them up and God puts them down. This year we'll elect a president and then guess what? Four years later, if God wills, we'll elect Another president, four years later, there is only one who reigns eternal in heaven, and he alone deserves our faith and our trust, and his name is Jesus. His name, Jesus is the only one that deserves our absolute allegiance. 
Jesus Christ is the only one that we can trust absolutely and completely. Jesus is the only one. Listen, can I tell you this morning, Jesus, that's the only name that I'll promote from this pulpit is Jesus Christ because I have no one in heaven but him. Jesus, as Acts says, there is salvation in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. The name is Jesus, right? That, uh, Jesus is the only one that is worthy of our praise. Jesus is the only one worth talking about. Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. Je in fact, why don't you sing that with me right now, would you? Do you know that song? You're going to have to help me because I'm going to try to sing it. You're going to have to sing it with me, all right? Y'all know that old song? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. Master. Savior, Jesus, like the fragrance after the rain. Jesus, 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 let all heaven and earth proclaim. Listen. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away, but there's something about that name. Lift your hands to the Lord and let's praise that name. Mike. Mike, come to the piano. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give him praise this morning. Hallelujah. We love you, Lord Jesus. Lord, we have no one in heaven but you, Lord. Hallelujah. You are the one who deserves our trust, our allegiance, our praise, and our worship, oh, Lord. Hallelujah. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Glory to your name. Hallelujah. Now let me wrap this up while Mike's playing. Jesus. I have no one in heaven but Jesus. <laughs> He's the only one that deserves our praise, our worship, our absolute allegiance is Jesus Christ. Jesus. Listen, no one knows me better. <laughs> no one loves me more. No one treats me better than Jesus Christ. That's why he deserves my allegiance, my worship, and my praise. <laughs> Whom have I in heaven but you, Lord? And don't miss what he says. And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. That's my prayer for 2020. God, keep my eyes 
on Jesus Christ because I only have one in heaven and his name is Jesus. Keep my eyes on Jesus Christ. Give me the right kind of desire that I'll desire him more than anything else. <laughs> heaven, and, heaven and earth will pass away. Even Asaph said that. It may pass away, but listen, the Lord is my portion forever. Amen. There's only one who reigns eternally. Asaph said, my heart and my flesh may fail, but God is the strength of my heart, and he's my portion forever. Lord, give me a desire for more of you. God, I pray that you cause the things of this world, Lord, to become less important to us than the things of heaven. Help us, oh God, to be heavenly minded, Lord, to set our attention and to set our hearts on things that are above. God, give me a single-hearted devotion to Jesus Christ. Asaph said, for me, it is good to be near to God. I've made the Lord my refuge. Friends, that's what we're going to have to do in 2020. Stay near to the cross. Stay near to Jesus Christ. Because if possible, the things of this world will drag your attention away from him. The love of the world will cause your heart to grow cold and bitter. You cannot allow it to happen. You've got to say, God, keep me near to the cross. Keep me close to Jesus Christ. Asaph said, for me, it is good to be near the Lord. I've made the Lord my refuge that I may tell of all your works. Stay near to the Lord in 2020. He's the one who gives us hope here on earth. He's the one who has made us a home in, in heaven. And listen, the most important thing that we can do as a church in 2020 is tell the world that Jesus Christ suffered and he died so that they could be forgiven of their sins so that they could be brought back into a right relationship with God. And that's what Asaph said. It's good for me to be near to the Lord, to make my refuge in God. God is my refuge. Then I can tell others about Jesus Christ. We're about, about God. That's my prayer for 2020. God, keep us near to the cross. Help us to keep our heart and our minds right, Lord, as we navigate this world so that we can be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, so that we can demonstrate the love of Jesus Christ and tell others the good news. Listen, it's, it's good news what Jesus Christ has done. Amen. Thank you for listening today. If you have any questions or would like more information about following Jesus Christ, please contact us at gladtidings.church. If you live near Dunn, North Carolina, please consider visiting our church on Sunday mornings at 1030. You can also download our church app in the iTunes or Google Play app store and receive updates and notifications. You may use the app to make a financial gift to help support our ministry. God bless you.